Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome to the all new <laughs> All Things Billy the Kid podcast. And I've changed the name or added to the name uh, to include The Kid, in case you hadn't noticed. And the reason for that was uh, the YouTube channel I changed to the All Things Billy the Kid channel. And so I figured the audio podcast should match that. So there it is. You're welcome to episode one of a brand new era of dynamic journalism. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even fathom my own line of bullshit. Anyway, so all things Billy the Kid from now on. I think it actually might be easier uh, to search it on podcast software. You know, you have the title and then you have the... Uh, the description and in the description i certainly had billy the kid but i don't know that people were finding it as uh easily as i hope they would so uh we'll see so this episode uh, this is a uh, viewer inspired i guess i'll call them viewers on youtube even though you're just staring at a screen that nothing's happening um but we're that's going to change by the way uh but i'll call it viewer inspired and that somebody said hey you did i enjoyed your you know 10 things young guns got wrong but how about 10 things young guns got right and uh so i reached out to some uh, experts in the field to help me with that and we're going to talk about the things that young guns got right in the films because here we are on the precipice although i don't know how big the precipice is of the guns 3 movie which I don't think is even in production yet, but I certainly could be wrong. I don't have any inside information on that. Uh, so uh, with another Guns franchise movie coming out, let's see what the what the first movie got right. And we're going to do that. But first, we'll talk about a, uh, a few other things. Uh, if you haven't heard, the uh, channel, the YouTube channel, thank you. We've gone over a thousand subscribers we hit it and ran right past it so i uh, i appreciate all of you that contributed to that effort by subscribing and uh, commenting and telling your friends and telling your enemies that works too um, as long as they hit the subscribe button uh, we did talk about a couple of the projects of course that are coming up and uh, there'll be some changes one of the changes will be that going forward uh, probably beginning next week or the week after all of the podcasts will be also in video form meaning yes you'll see me at command central billy the kid <laughs> command central <laughs> and uh you, you can just uh dim the screen if you don't want or just you know turn it away or something but yeah we'll we'll have uh video based podcasts and our guests will appear via zoom video or some sort of video yeah zoom um so uh, that's a change going forward to make the YouTube uh, experience even richer than it already is. Uh, if you haven't seen, the Back to Billy book is in its entirety on the YouTube channel, All Things Billy the Kid channel. And if that's the uh, venue where you're hearing this and you missed it, just go back. There's four episodes in a row posted yesterday 4th of july happy independence day and uh in total about five and a half hours and it's the entire back to billy book audiobook absolutely free of charge and uh, you can listen to it you can scorn it you can praise it to the high heavens i've gotten uh, some really nice comments from people that went on a binge listen 
which I thought was pretty cool. I'm not sure I could listen to anybody, but especially myself for over five hours that seemed to enjoy the book. So the first book is available in three formats, ebook, audiobook, and print, uh, you know, a, a, a soft cover. Uh, is, that, is that what you call it? Soft cover? It sounds weird. <laughs> uh, but in any event, yes. Yeah, so that's that. The rest of the books, there's five more in the series, are just available in printed um, paperback. That's what it's called, in printed uh, paperback format. Will they ever make the leap to audiobook or ebook? I don't know. I don't think there's a ton of money in book sales, to be honest with you. But hey, if the uh, people listening to the audiobook on YouTube drive up the listens or views or something, and that generates some revenue, it might be worth considering get doing another audiobook. Uh, as I talked about, to me, it was just a horrible experience, and I would definitely do it with an engineer this time and not engineer it myself as I was reading. That was very unfun. But I hope you enjoy it. Um, when I, uh, I Mel Hubna was uh, my test reader or listener, and uh, she said something like she tried to be nice. She said something along the lines of, "Oh, you really found your groove after the first three chapters," <laughs> which means the first three chapters sucked. And I listened back, and it is kind of monotone. I wasn't sure how much acting you were supposed to do. But uh, when I got into Rosita, Martin, Martin, uh, maybe I found uh, maybe I found my group. I'm not sure. So anyway, that book is there. Please go and listen to it. It's time travel. It's Billy the Kid. It's going back in time to fight alongside the regulators in the Lincoln County War. It's falling in love. It's it's three way, four way love quadrangles. It's illegitimate children. It's everything, and it's Carl Farber the number one nemesis of all Billy the Kid fans. So by all means, uh, go check it out and let me know what you think. Uh, also new, also new, at put this on your calendar because I'm not sure how you find out. I am being honest with you. It, I know on YouTube it says schedule this and your subscribers will be notified, but I don't know how the hell you get notified. July 14th, that's right, the 141st annary anniversary of the death or not of Billy the Kid in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. We're doing a live YouTube broadcast, not from the grave. I've done that already at midnight. Um, not from the grave, but here from BTKHQC, <laughs> Billy the Kid Headquarters Central. And uh, we're going to talk about the different, the Brushy story, the Miller story, the Billy uh, the the Garrett story, what happened that night, what it means 141 years later, um, what's left of the fort. We're going to talk about it all. There's live chat, so you can get your input into the uh, into the session by joining in. And it's on the YouTube channel, All Things Billy the Kid, July 14th, 7, well, let's do it this way, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific. Now you might have said, hey, Michael, why not do it at midnight, New Mexico time, uh, because I'll be in dreamland by then. At least I hope I will. So that is Thursday, July 14th. I'd love for y'all to be there. I'd love to see your commentary, hear you. If I can figure out how to bring video guests in before then, I will. I know there's a way to do it via Zoom. I, I don't know that there's an easy way to do it just with the YouTube software. But join us for that. Should be uh, tons of fun. 
Um, more movie reviews coming in for the final trial of Billy Kid, and I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, I am down on my knees. That's what she said. Um, if you have watched the film, I don't care whether you hated it, but if you've watched the film, please, this would be a huge help. Go to Amazon, if you've watched it on Amazon, and give it a rating and please a review as well, even if it's two sentences. I mean, if you want to write a paragraph, I don't care, but it's hugely helpful. It's so what Amazon is doing now with indie films is if they don't get enough reviews, it just takes them off the platform and you can't watch them there anymore. Now we've gotten, you know, a number of good reviews, but we need more. And so I'm humbly asking you to take five minutes out of your day, go to Amazon, find the final trial of Billy the Kid, assuming you watched it there and go write a review and give it a star rating, one to five. You cannot give it zero and you cannot give it 10. But anything there would be hugely helpful in keeping the, uh, hang on a second, sun setting right in my eye, uh, would be hugely helpful in keeping the film in front of people who are searching for Billy the Kid content. And please don't say, oh, you know, I'll do it a little later or I'll do it tomorrow. Please stop the the, the broadcast right now, just hit pause and go do it right now. It would be, it would really mean the world to me. So thank you for that. And let's see anything else on the list before we go on. Uh, do I want to save this? I'm wondering if I want to save something. I think I'm going to not save it. I think I'm going to say it right now. So I've got a, a lot of additional kind of evidence and behind the scenes stuff uh, going on or that I know about. Some, uh, A lot of people tell me stuff because I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> In other words, I don't go blabbing about stuff that's that people are working on when they tell me it's confidential. When they tell me it's okay to say something, then I do. Uh, but when they tell me don't say anything or don't um, don't identify me, then I don't. And that's why I think people continue to tell me stuff. And I can tell you in the world of Billy the Kid, there's some very, very cool stuff going on behind the scenes as we speak. I mean, literally, right at this moment, right now, there is some really cool stuff that, um, you know, earth-shaking, groundbreaking kind of stuff. Uh, that may or may never be finished and may or may never be made public, but I am not at liberty to make that public. But this, I am. When I look back at the uh, the video views and the podcast listens, what I find is that whenever Brushy Bill gets mentioned, the number of uh, views goes down. When it's Billy the Kid stuff, just plain old vanilla Billy the Kid, there's a certain number of people that tune in, watch, and listen. But when there's brushy Bill stuff, people don't. Now, you might look at that two ways. You might say, oh, well, people think, you know, brushy Bill is not Billy the Kid, so they don't bother with that. I don't think that's it. I think, and again, this is just my thought process here, but I think that people see it and go, oh, I don't want to know anything else. I don't want to hear what this guy has to say. I've already decided, and you're not going to change my mind. So if that's the case, then what I'm going to uh, divulge now will be an eye-opener, and I will not put Brushy Bill in the titles so that people can listen. Before we do that, we had our What Happened in Fort Sumner on July 14, 1881 poll. 
85 votes now. 51% say Billy was shot and killed by Pat Garrett. 26% say Billy escaped to old Mexico. So that's 77%. Almost 8 out of 10 people believe Billy either got away or disappeared into old Mexico. 22% say Brushy Bill was wounded and escaped with his life. So about two out of 10. And then one person, essentially, 1% said John Miller was in hiding and eventually escaped. And so the, the money is on Garrett, but more people than I expected believe there's something more nefarious. It wasn't Brushy. It wasn't Miller. Garrett didn't kill him. There's some other bigger cover-up that went on, and we don't know what the end game was. We don't know where Billy wound up, who we wound up being, et cetera, et cetera. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting, if true, but that's your opinion. Okay, so I'm going to give you this information to do with as you please, and then we're going to take a little break and get into our What Young Guns Got Right. So this information comes from someone uh, that I know, an author and a historian, uh, someone I, I know actually very well, and this person was writing a Brushy Bill book. Uh, basically an expose of the Brushy Bill, uh, I'll call it myth, you know, that that Brushy was not Billy the Kid. That's the focus of the book. And I was looking forward to reading it. I've read Roy Hawes' book, which uh, has a lot of good information. The writing style kind of throws me. Um, I, I commend Roy Hawes for writing it and for putting it out. Um, an editor would have been really, really good to to fine-tune some of the content. You're probably saying that about me right now, which is fine. Um, and then of course, I've read Alias Billy the Kid, and I've read uh, Billy the Kid in Autobiography by Dan Edwards. Um, but here is what this well-known author and researcher and historian had to say, because I knew about the book being written, and then I heard through the grapevine that the book was canned. It was on the shelf. And so I wrote and said, hey... I heard you finished the book, but you decided not to publish it. What's up? Here's the unadulterated answer. I'm not going to tell you who this is because they asked not to be identified, but here we go. Actually, Michael, that is only partly correct. I did not finish the book, but I did complete the research. The controversy part is correct. I was disappointed that details I found actually pointed to deception, if not outright fraud, on the part of some authors and publishers I respected and admired. Rather than drag them through public humiliation, I decided not to call them out. They know what they did, and now, so do I. Regardless, I found the extensive details about Brushy Bill and his advocate, William Morrison, along with exhaustive documentation about what happened during that time, and that's enough for me. Let the debates continue because they matter not. And that's the end of the quote. I want to read one line to you again. I was disappointed that details I found actually pointed to deception, if not outright fraud, on the part of some authors and publishers I respected and admired. Rather than drag them through the public humiliation, I decided not to call them out. They know what they did, and now so do I. Now, you could be sitting there going, oh, Michael, you're full of crap. 
because that email doesn't even exist. You wrote that, and then since you didn't tell us who it was, then we don't believe it. And that is your right. That's absolutely your right to think that. You can write that. You can scream it from the rooftops. But with somebody very respected in the world of uh, uh, Western history, uh, to write that, those are pretty strong words, uh, was almost shocking to me to see. And uh, for any of you who follow Gail Cooper, I've watched some of her videos. The information is good. The delivery is tough to get through. But I do like when she does the, the uh, she, she's uh, paraphrasing somebody or she's quoting somebody and she makes the, the, the different voice. And he said that then we went to Lincoln. Like, I like that voice that she does. She only has two. One is deeper than her own and one is higher. Uh, and for, you know, in, in, Gail Cooper's got, she's just relentless with the, uh, you know, great brushy bill hoaxers and fraudulent this person and that and those kind of things. Like she pulls no punches. Um, it's unfortunate that she kind of hides because there's no commenting on her videos. Her email address has changed regularly. You can't contact her through her website. Like she does not want to be contacted about this. She just wants to have her say. So somebody asked, why don't you have Gail Cooper on the show? And I would have Gail Cooper on the show anytime. I think it'd be fascinating. I've talked to her on the phone for hours. Uh, and uh, but, but there's no way to get in touch with her. So if you can get in touch with her, tell her. Tell her to come on out. Gail, if you're listening... Come on, get in touch with me. Leave me a comment or, uh, I don't know, do something. You probably have my email address and uh, reach out and we'll set it up. You can come on. You can come on every day if you want. You've got enough stuff to talk about, but you have to do the voice. Brushy said that he walked over to the Montano store. Like you, I can hear that in my dreams, that uh, voice. So come on, Gail. If you know her, get her on here and we'll uh, we'll talk about some of this stuff. But that is a direct quote from a very well-respected author, researcher, historian that said, people made up evidence. And that's not the first time that you hear that when it comes to the brushy bill story. So do with that what you will. When we come back, we'll get into the things that young guns got right. Gosh, I hope there's enough there to make a show out of it. We'll be right back. And welcome back to All Things Billy the Kid, the podcast. I'm going to have to get dressed better for these video podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I can't just show up in whatever I've been like lounging, <laughs> lounging around in. <laughs> I'll probably have to shave once in a while. Yeah, you know, like do the whole thing. Gosh, this is sounding like a lot of work all of a sudden. But I'm committed to it, so we'll uh, make it happen. All right, so what did Young Guns, the film, get Right. Um, let's do a little uh, demographic on the uh, on the movie. 1988, Young Guns, starring Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot Mulroney as Dirty Steve, Casey Shamasco, Terry O'Quinn, Jack Palance, Terrence Stamp. Cinematography by Dean Semler. I don't know Dean, but that's cool. Written by John Fusco, 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 don't know. Uh, the uh, budget, it looks like somebody changed this because I thought the original budget was $5 million. 
But this budget is $11 million, $56 million at the box office. That's a hit in anybody's uh, world. Now, is it $11 million plus $11 in promotion? Or was it $5.5 million plus $5.5 in promotion? Don't know. Um, don't know. And the studios like to inflate those budgets. So if anybody has back end, I know that's what he said, um, that they can make it look as though the film never made any money. And a lot of these, you know, 80, 100, $150 million Hollywood films never show a profit because of that uh, interesting accounting. But since somebody said, what did Young Guns get right? I reached out to two very well-respected Young Gunites, <laughs> James Townsend and Benjamin Doss. And I asked them, hey guys, I'm struggling here. I'm thinking through the film, going through some of the scenes on YouTube. What exactly did the film get right? If you want to talk about it from a historical perspective. And so here's what the guys came up with. And even these are a bit of a stretch. Now, I'm going to stop. By no means am I saying, hey, it's not a good film. It's a great film. It introduced a generation of people to Billy the Kid. It's a really entertaining film. It's well acted. It's fun. Uh, it's, uh, you know, exciting. I mean, all that stuff, just for the people that want to know how much of the history is correct. Here we go. So from James, uh, he says Murphy versus Tunstall was the primary conflict. So that's one thing that the film got right. And that's true, except it's kind of true. Sorry, James. Yes, Murphy, Dolan, and Riley were in business together, but by late 77, early 78, Murphy was already sick. He had cancer, and he was not at all a part of the Lincoln County War. Now, his company, Murphy, Dolan, Dry Goods, whatever, um, certainly you know, was one, uh, one side, one faction of the war, the Lincoln County War, but... I would say that Dolan versus Tunstall was probably a more accurate representation of the sides of the war. But Murphy being older, being more established, uh, his name wound up on it. So I'll, I'll give I'll give that a half credence that Murphy slash Dolan versus Tunstall was the primary conflict and drove and fueled the Lincoln County War. So there's one kind of. <laughs> There's one half. All right. The next one uh, <laughs> that James said is Tunstall was killed. And that's true. You can't, <laughs> you can't argue with that. Tunstall was killed. Uh, kind of similar to the way it showed in the film. Tunstall was on a horse, not on a wagon. Um, the, uh, all of the boys didn't abandoned him to go shoot wild turkeys on the day after New Year's. I think that's when they were going back to the ranch in the early morning hours. It was February 18th, 1878. Um, but uh, John Middleton and Billy Bonnie were with near Tunstall when a posse came clattering over the hill. And it wasn't because they were mad that, you know, Tunstall you know, didn't serve him a cup of tea at uh, New Year's Eve. It wasn't that they thought that, uh, you know, Tunstall's choice of music sucked for the fiddler. It was because they were uh, intent on attaching every last piece of property that Tunstall or McSween had 
and these guys were driving nine horses back to Lincoln. Um, so yes, Tunstall was killed. Yes, he was probably ambushed. No, it was not in sight of Billy or anyone else on a barren hillside. It was tucked off the trail in some trees, but but that I'll give that one three quarters of a point um, that uh, Tunstall was killed and Murphy slash Dolan uh, was the primary conflict of the war. So from that standpoint, history kind of right. All right. The next one is that Dick Brewer was the leader of the regulators undisputed. That gets a full point. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, Brewer was the first leader of the regulators sworn in as constable. Um, by Justice of the Peace Wilson, and uh, did lead the regulators on their first missions. Uh, as we discussed with the killing of Brady, did not, at least as far as history is recorded, did not take part in the murder of Sheriff Brady, but um, certainly was, uh, you know, the driving force behind the regulators' formation, deputization, or constabulation, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and their first uh, missions to avenge the loss of John Tunstall. All right, next one. Morton, Baker, and McCloskey were killed on the way to Lincoln. That is true. Now, if you tell me, oh, well, they weren't killed like it was in the movie, I'll tell you, you might be right, but we don't know. All of the regulators essentially said the same thing. Morton reached over, grabbed McCloskey's pistol, and shot him dead. Doesn't make a lot of sense because McCloskey was a former Murphy man and friendly with Morton and Baker, probably the only friend, the only chance they had at living. But that's what they said. And then uh, the uh, the other guys uh, were buried with 11 bullet holes each, at least that's what the legend, Morton and Baker, uh, one for each regulator. So it looks like an assassination. Um, Brewer was uh, quoted by Buck Morton as saying that he didn't want to take them alive, wishes they hadn't given up. And uh, so, yes, that is true. Maybe the, uh, the, uh, what, the details of the way it happened were not perfect, but certainly close enough to give that 9.7 <laughs> out of a 10 uh, for a point, almost a full point for that one. Um, the one thing, obviously, is that there were far less regulators in Young Guns than there were in real life. And that's just a, a facet of movie making. It's too tough to introduce all those characters. So uh, they focused on a core group. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, there would have been more regulators there. More overwhelming odds for Morton and Baker. <clears throat> and even less of a chance for them to get away. Okay, next one. Dick Brewer was shot by Buckshot Roberts, shot and killed by Buckshot Roberts. That is true and happened uh, not quite the same way as is uh, uh, portrayed in the movie, but, but one against many. Yes, Roberts against a number of regulators, definitely. Um, you know, uh, Dick Brewer walking out, you know, from behind cover and taking a shot in the chest and then that slow stagger backward. No, that's not how it happened. Dick Bluer, uh, Brewer, Bluer, Freudian slip, had the back of his head blown out uh, when Buckshot Roberts uh, hiding in, uh, I think it was Blazer's uh, old office or 
one of the buildings saw his head poke up uh, after Brewer had fired a shot that splintered the doorway. And so Roberts just waited that big old trapdoor Springfield and put a bullet in Brewer's left eye and out the back of his head it went. And that was it for Dick Brewer. But the fact that Brewer was killed, the first captain of the regulators at Blazers Mills and that Roberts died later. Yes, true. So I'm going to give that 9.9%, of, 99.9% of a point. Uh, Alexander McSween was killed at his home. That is true as well. Now, the rest of the five-day battle, which I think only took one day in Young Guns, and the two-level house and, uh, you know, wood construction, all that kind of stuff, that, not so much. But the very fact that McSween was killed um, outside of his home during the escape of the rest of the regulators is for certain a thing that Young Guns got pretty much right. Um, Not the way that they showed it. It was not during the day, right? The regulators waited until the color of night in order to try to escape. They couldn't wait much longer because the house was burning in around them, but they wanted to wait for darkness so that they had a better chance of slipping out without being shot. Good plan there. Uh, McSween, again, according to some testimony, said, hey, I'll, I'll surrender. And then at some point yelled out, I'll never surrender. Now, if you don't know how this exactly went down, listen to, <laughs> listen to my Back to Billy audiobook where we discuss or where it did, lays out Uh, with Martin Teebs as the final regulator who's left to guard McSween. And McSween has a plan of how they're going to get away, and it goes horribly wrong. Uh, It's not funny somebody dying, but uh, the book is fiction, and uh, I think you might get a little chuckle out of that part. But anyway, so yes, McSween was killed. Uh, We don't know that he was cheering the boys like, yeah, boys, go. And then he got cut down. It was more along the lines of him either saying nothing or saying, hey, I'm not going to surrender after he had kind of already said that he would. And that's when the uh, the fire had, uh, the, you know, the gunfire had been held. Um, another thing from the five-day battle is Colonel Dudley does show up and he brings Buffalo, Buffalo soldiers with him. And uh, that's one of those uh, brushy bill deals where people say, well, how could... Brushy have known that it wasn't printed anywhere. It was printed actually in a couple places, uh, you know, well before 1948. But you know that that's just everything else that Brushy knew that that he wasn't supposed to also had been printed, you know, in pretty wide distribution by that point. But uh, yes, Buffalo soldiers were there, and the movie got that at least partially right. Some of them were Buffalo soldiers, African Americans, and some were just white soldiers. Not just, they were white soldiers. It was an entire regiment or division or, uh, I don't know, detachment of Buffalo soldiers. But some of it, they got right. So I think that was important uh, because the Buffalo soldiers were important to the cavalry. And and so Colonel Dudley brought them to Lincoln along with the Gatling gun. Um, That's probably yet another thing that somebody missed is that there was a Gatling gun there and that changed the the whole tide of the five-day battle and probably changed the tide of the Lincoln County War. 
if the regulators had fought their way out of the McSween house and the other 40 that were stationed uh, at the, again, it may have been the Ellis store and the Torreon, if they could have, you know, caught these uh, Pepin's men in a crossfire, they would have decimated them. Right. The the uh, moving up from the Ellis store and then the Torreon and then having fire, you know, coming from behind maybe the corral walls of Tunstall's store. Um, they could have had these guys in a crossfire where their only escape was to the south. And, the, you know, to the south is a pretty significant mountain. You know, there's no natural way to get out of the valley unless you go east or west uh, from Lincoln. And so that Gatling gun aimed at the, the McSween house with soldiers behind it meant that the uh, uh, the other regulators, 40 of them almost, couldn't fire on Dolan's men because they'd be shooting soldiers in the back. And that would get you, <laughs> that would get you dead. Uh, the soldiers had more ammunition, better training, more firepower. You are not going to win that war. And so it, it, the McSween house became an island. And so the young guns did get that right. That Gatling gun, Gatling, Gatling gun, um, really did change the whole complexion of that battle. But imagine if it wasn't there. Imagine if Dudley said, you know what? I'm not going to intervene. I'm tired of this. I'm going to have a hot cocoa. <laughs> Put some marshmallows in it, Pendleton. Um, imagine if he'd said that and said, no, nah, I'm not getting involved. Leave it to the sheriff. I think there's a very good chance that the regulators could have probably slaughtered, and I don't think that's too strong of a word, many of Dolan's forces. And and if they didn't get Dolan, they could have forced him into oblivion, and they would have owned the town of Lincoln. Now, there still was nothing left to fight for. I mean, McSween was broke. He had his house, which he seemingly paid for with the Fritz insurance money. Um, but there was really very little left. They would have to reclaim the store, try to, you know, salvage whatever goods they have, get their cattle back. Dolan was bankrupt, you know, killing him and taking the house. There, there was just not a lot left. It was as if you looked at the embers of a fire and said, this thing could light up again, but it'll never actually burn. There's nothing left to burn here. All the wood is gone. All the fuel is gone. And uh, so that uh, young guns did absolutely get right. The Gatling gun and the Buffalo soldiers changed the shape and the outcome of the Lincoln County War. I've got a few more from Benjamin Doss, Doss Boot, and uh, we'll get to those right after this. We're back with what did young guns get right? Okay. Well, there's not a whole lot of uh, extra stuff here because there's, we covered most of the stuff he got right. And the other stuff was fun to watch. It just wasn't historically correct. The killing of Henry Hill. No, it didn't happen that way. The killing of Brady didn't happen anywhere near that way. Murphy being there at the end, you know, getting shot between the eyes didn't happen that way. Like the almost everything else didn't happen that way. But uh, the Charlie uh, and Dirty Steve getting killed at the escape from the burning McSween house didn't happen that way. Billy getting thrown in a in a in John Miller's secret trunk. <laughs> I just I just figured it out. What was in John Miller's trunk? 
<laughs> the you know the secret trunk that proved he was Billy the Kid was Emilio Estevez. <laughs> That's how they. <laughs> oh, what a revelation! He was in there the whole time. I guess it was Billy the Kid that was in the trunk, and then when Miller died, <laughs> they opened it up and saw Billy waiting to escape. Uh, but none of those things happen. Uh, so here's some minor stuff from Benjamin. The Blazers Mill Blazers Mills fight kind of moves the same. That's true. The regulators stopped over there. At, at some accounts, say they demanded supper, uh, which doesn't seem very <laughs> friendly of them. Uh, and then somebody reports that there's a mighty well-heeled man coming, and it's uh, Buckshot Roberts. And then they go out to confront him. There's no George Coe in Young Guns, so there's no long discussion of, hey, come on, give up, surrender, I'll guarantee your safety. It's just kind of a uh, not much Marianne and, uh, you know, the rest of you shits are only worth 75, but I'll take it. And then, you know, they start shooting. Didn't happen that way. But the fight itself was reg somewhat similar. Um, let's see. Uh, Billy dancing at the New Year's party. Mm, okay. I, I mean, I, I wasn't at a, a New Year's party in 18... 77, 78. So I don't know if Billy was there dancing or not. I hope he was. I hope they were all there dancing. It's cold in Lincoln in the wintertime, by the way. You got to have a big bonfire to go dancing outside. Uh, maybe they moved it into a church or uh, I don't know, Tunstall store, McSween house. But yeah, I hope they had a dance. I hope they had a fiddler. I hope there were some pretty girls there. Um, and I hope Billy danced with a few of them and did whatever else he felt like he wanted to do. Um, so that's one. Uh, Justice of the Peace Wilson deputizing the regulators. Yeah, sure. Okay. I think that that's kind of close. Doc's poetry. Okay. I, now we're, we're starting to stretch. Um, and uh, Billy says, I ain't left-handed uh, after the, uh, the uh, tin type of him comes out or uh, I think the newspaper calls him a left-hander uh, and he's not left-handed. So uh, incidentally, Brushy was left-handed in the original version of Alias Billy the Kid. And then once it was known that the tintype of Billy was a reversed image and it was corrected, then Brushy became ambidextrous <laughs> historically. And then after ambidextrous, he was primarily right-handed, but he could shoot as well with either hand. Um, that's some revisionist history that happens when you find out the stuff that you based your story on wasn't actually the truth. But anyway, and that's kind of it. I mean, both of these guys would know. I'm sure they've seen the film combined, I don't know, a hundred times. I mean, that might be a little much, but 10, 15, 20 times. I'm sure I've seen it five to 10 times, at least in pieces. But if you want real historical accuracy, there's not a whole lot left there. But there's lots that were entertaining. And there's lots that were just pure fantasy. But the things that Young Guns got right were few. But the people that it got involved in the story or Legend of Billy the Kid were many. And so you could imagine... Young Guns 2 furthered that and using the story of Brushy Bill as the outline uh, was an interesting choice to, uh, I don't think they wrote that film with the intent of, hey, someday, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, we're going to make a, a third Young Guns or Guns film. 
but uh, but I think it gave them the opportunity to do that. If you follow Pat Garrett's version of events, you know, Billy's dead and buried and that's it. You could follow people who said they were Billy the Kid, but obviously we're not. But there's no, I don't think there's really another film there. But hey, who knows? Uh, so Guns 3. Well, let's take a look at the uh, status on IMDb and see what air, where it's at. Guns 3. Elias Billy the Kid. Well, it's got the same name as the, as the book by, I think it's uh, by Jameson. So uh, you you know where it's coming. Still the release date, August 3rd, 2022. So less than a month, but I don't think that that's actually going to happen. So let's go to IMDb Pro, which you have to pay for. And uh, let's see, pre-production is the current status. So what pre-production means, we've talked about this, is you're getting the locations, you're casting the actors, you're raising money, you're... Uh, Oh, you know, hiring crew, like all there's different levels of pre-production and it says pre-production started in May, 2021, but that's still the status. Normally what would happen is you would change the status to filming. So in other words, you would say, oh, we're starting Monday, we're filming. So the status would change. And then when filming was done, 30 days, 60 days, it would go to post-production, editing, scoring, um, et cetera, special effects. Well, Guns 3 still shows pre-production is the current status and release date of August 3rd, 2022, um, which doesn't seem likely since there's still only three cast members here. Emilio Estevez is William. That would be William Henry Roberts. Christian Slater is Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh and Lou Diamond Phillips as Chavez, who was killed in the last film. Uh, but I, as I wrote somewhere, he the spirit horse came for him and maybe it bucked him off before he went across the river of souls. And so he came back to life. Uh, but there are no other actors cast and there are no other roles shown in IMDb. So all of this together, you know, with very, very minimal um, information leads me to believe that the film is not probably not even begun pre-production. Um but again, I'll, I'll preface this by I have no inside knowledge and they could be done. They could be waiting for a big you know, blast in a week or two to show you all these exciting trailers and then have the film come out. But it seems you know, you'd have something this big and you would, uh, you would most likely want to get a real role going and really build up the, uh, the hype around the film. And that hasn't happened. Budget still set at $50 million. That's a lot of money to spend on a movie nowadays with most films struggling theatrically, not all, some of the big films doing really well, but still, uh, you know, COVID on the increase again, a milder strain of COVID people are getting sick and it's tough to get people in the theaters. I don't anticipate this is the kind of film you're going to make and release it on Disney plus. So where's it going to happen? Also, another um, another uh, kind of uh, a clue is the film poster, which I mean, it's it's cool. I think you'd probably like it uh, hanging on your wall. And it says Young Guns Three, but the young part is all shot out. There's all bullet holes, alias Billy the Kid, and you see Billy and Christian Slater and Chavez up at the top, and then there's other 
There's some women. There's a guy that looks like McSween, except he's got Where's Waldo glasses. He's got the McSween mustache. So I don't think that's him. There's a couple of women. One of them's with a gun. And there's a guy I can't really understand who it might be. Maybe Pat. I don't think it's Pat Garrett. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but it it's pretty crudely drawn. A $50 million film would not have this as their film poster. Um, you know, it, it would be something better. And you would have used some assets from filming or some photographs that you staged beforehand, that, you know, to uh, to make this thing really pop. So this is hand-drawn. It's cool, but it's not the poster of a $50 million film. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say my semi-professional opinion, since I figure I'm a semi-professional filmmaker, is that this film has not started pre-production yet probably has not raised the money to make it yet and uh, will not be out on August 3rd, 2022, although it could be out August 3rd, 2023. I think that's probably legit. Um, and they're going to most likely want to film in the fall or early spring and uh, and then get the film out. Um, so there you go. That's the best I can tell you that I can see from Guns 3 alias Billy the Kid, some legends never die. But that's not true, actually. All legends die. Every single one of them. Sooner or later, they all die. And uh, so, but I'm look. hey, I'll, I'll go see the film. I'll head out to the theater and watch it because, you know, I don't care that it's the brushy Bill story. I just think it's uh, a cool concept. And I grew up on the first two Young Guns films, and that's how I got my immersion into the uh, world of Billy the Kid. All right, so that's it for the Young Guns Right episode, Young Guns 3 or Guns 3 update. Uh, if you have something on your mind, <laughs> it's always dangerous, you can email at billythekidridesagain at gmail.com. You can go on Twitter at BTK Rides, or you can just go on the message boards on YouTube and you can say whatever it is right there. Uh, as noted, now it's a lot easier for me to actually see the uh, messages and replies, even of older videos. And so I will uh, do my best to reply if I can understand what you're saying. Some people have a style of writing where there's no punctuation, there's no capital letters, and it's kind of hard to follow what exactly they're saying. Some people also have a style of writing where there's just fragments of sentences. And so it's just impossible for me to answer if I'm not sure what the question is or even to support your statement if I can't figure that out. So if I don't, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just not that smart. <laughs> so, you know, you'll have to, you'll just have to live with that part. But uh, yeah, feel free to uh, leave some commentary there. Hit the, uh, what's the name of that tab now? Gosh, hit the community tab. There's two uh, very cool maps that I put together. I did not draw, but one of them is Old Fort Sumner overlaid over the uh, Google Earth image of the same area today. And it really shows you what the fort looked like and where it was in relation to today's structures. And then the other one is the overlay of the Charles Dudrow 1906 map of the Fort Sumner Cemetery over the Google Earth image of the actual cemetery. Dudrow's map is not to scale, but you'll be amazed at when you size it to put Billy's grave in the right place, it almost is to scale. It's pretty incredible 
how the guy making a rough drawing without, you know, benefit of, uh, uh, you know, GPS or uh, drone photography or anything like that, how close he got it. And the, the outline of the cemetery is essentially exactly what he drew all those years ago. So pretty cool stuff. And, uh, you can get a look at where he marked Billy's, Tom and Charlie's grave, the graves that he exhumed of the uh, soldiers to be reinterred in Santa Fe. Um, you can see those in conjunction with the modern day markers. There's very, very few if you've never been to the cemetery. I mean, there might be, I don't know, 30, 40, um, but there's many more people buried in the cemetery and those graves have been lost to history. So that's that. All right. So we are all things Billy the Kid. That's the podcast. That's the channel. That's the idea. And so if you've got things Billy the Kid, reach out and let me know. And uh, we will uh, be back. Don't forget the big live event, July 14th, 141st anniversary of something, something in Sumner, we'll call it. And uh, go, uh, please review the final trial of Billy the Kid. Actually, go watch it. If you haven't, uh, that would be great. Watch it on Amazon. Give it a review. Give me some feedback. And uh, that's that. Hope you all have a good night or day or life or whatever. Bye.